Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are our creator, and we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we've come to praise you and to thank you. And you are our Savior. When we had wandered away, you have drawn us back, and we're here today on the first Sunday of this year to say thank you. We're here because we can't imagine doing this life this year without you. We need you. You know our needs. Every one of us is needy. That's why we're here, and I pray you would meet us in our place of need. Oh, you've given us your word. You've given us your spirit. And I pray as we open up your word together today that you would forgive the one who speaks for his sins are many and you would help us to see Jesus. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, you guys did it again. Uh, on Thanksgiving, I asked you to share with me something you were thankful for and you did and it was so amazing. And last week I said, would you share with me one accomplishment of last year that you were thankful for? And, and, and this is just a few of those. I was so encouraged. Accomplishment. As a widowed old lady, I was able to save enough money to pay cash for a new used car. Isn't that great? Way to go. Way to go. Uh, this was a husband and wife, and the wife said, this year I started a dance class for kids with special needs. Way to go. And the husband said, read through the Bible chronologically, only a few days left. Wife taking a step to reach out, the husband reading through the Bible. This lady said, two accomplishments, first joining this church, and secondly, tithing 10% every time, and not just when I thought I could afford it, I took that leap of faith and obedience, and God has rewarded me, and I have never been in lack. Way to take that step. An another husband wrote about his wife. My wife led her brother to faith in Christ. Isn't that great? Is there any greater joy than that? And then I love this one. Uh, uh, someone said, I attend a small group with Fran and Steve, and I have been able for the first time in my life to read the Bible. Isn't that neat that someone this past year, they plugged into a small group and opened up the Bible and for the first time in their life, they began to read the Bible. And wow, um, I mean, I, I can't believe that I get to do what I get to do. Um, could, could any of you use a little good news? Anybody here like some good news? I mean, we hear a lot of bad news, don't we? If you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. And um, this is so good. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It is the first Sunday of the new year. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It is the first Sunday, not only of a new year, but of a new decade. You want some good news in that? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Come on, have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered, where did it all come from? How did it all start? Now you know, don't you? You know now, don't you? How? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Oh, that's the point of the message today. If you don't remember anything else, I want you to leave rejoicing that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Listen, someone is flying this plane, Ron, and his name is God. Now, I told you I was going to share with you a little bit uh, more about the study, so I'd like for you to pick it up. Last year, every year on the first Sunday, we kind of like to lay out where we're going. And last year, we, we began a disciple-making adventure with Jesus. His last command was to go and make disciples, and, and so we began that adventure. And this year, what we want to do is to continue that adventure, but become more focused on that, more intentional, more laser-focused. So if you look on the very first page, we've made an adjustment to our purpose to put it uh, right in front of us that our purpose now as a church is to make disciples together. That's what we want to do. We gather together and worship in small groups to make disciples together. Would you say that with me? To make disciples together. So last year we said if we want to make disciples, what does a disciple look like? And so we said, well, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. Listen, if you'd like to follow Jesus, we can help you. And then we said, well, what does it look like to follow Jesus? And last year we said to follow Jesus really means we have three great loves. We love Jesus, that we love one another, and we love the lost. And um, we want to help you love Jesus more. We want to help you love one another more. We want to help you love lost people more. So this year... This year, what we're going to do together, we invite you, we're going to walk through the book of Genesis together in our worship services. That's what we're going to do. And then we invite you in our small groups, we're going to discover Jesus together. And then in our time with Jesus, we're going to read through the New Testament together. Maybe for the first time in your life, maybe you can plug into a small group this year, or maybe you've never read the Bible. Let's do this together. It's so much better together. Let me take, turn over to pages 8 and 9. Uh, we we want to make it easy for you to be a disciple and a disciple maker so when you lead someone to faith in Christ this year, we want to help you learn how to, to disciple that person so they move from being lost to a believer. And you can help them then learn how to spend time with Jesus and worship and small group and personal time. You can help them learn how to answer the big questions in life who am I, where do I belong, and why am I here, and where am I going? And then as they move into chair three, you can help them win the lost and build believers. There's a little map to help you be a disciple and make disciples. Now, if you turn a few more pages to page 15, you'll notice that, or 13, you'll notice that uh, there's a place for message notes. Notice there's not a point. They're, they're not in there ahead of time because we want to spend more time the week before we preach to, to really get to the meaning of the passage and give it to you on Sunday. Um, and then notice there's place for you to spend time with Jesus where you can read the word and pray the word and share the word. And then I want you to notice there's some changes in our, in our small group queue. We want to become more intentional in our small groups at making disciples and as we open up the Bible together in small group every week, we're going to teach you some questions that you can ask others when you invite them to come and, and see Jesus with you. And then if you get to the very, very back of the this, of this study, you'll see on page 52 our, our budget, what our budget is for the year. 
uh, how when you partner with us financially, we want to invest that money in making disciples here and around the world. So this is for you. Please don't leave it here. Take it with you. Uh, so why Genesis together? We believe that we need more Bible in our lives, uh, that we live in a biblically illiterate culture and we need more Bible, so we want to do that this year. Why Genesis? Because Genesis tells us how it all started, how it all started. And doesn't life make more sense when we know how it all started? Recently, I was watching a rugby match. I guess this is a match, a game. I was watching rugby. And you know what happens? When I was watching rugby, and when they cross the goal line, they try and get as close to the goal post as possible, and then they do something. It's called a touch down. Oh! I mean, have you ever wondered why in football they call it a touchdown? Have you? You ever wondered that? I did. Now I know why. Because, see, football, American football, comes from soccer and rugby. And in rugby, where they touch the ball down, that's a touchdown. And why it matters is where the ball is touched down in rugby, that's where the extra point is kicked from. So they want to get as close to the goalpost as possible. I said, oh, oh, that's where touchdown comes from. You know what else I noticed in rugby? The goalpost is on the goal line. You ever wonder why in American football the goalpost isn't on the goal line? Well, if you're old like me, it used to be, right? But then people kept running into the goalpost. So they moved it back. But it makes a lot of sense that the goalpost is where? On the goal line. And so it was interesting, looking at rugby, it helped me understand where American football came from. And that's what it, what's going to happen in Genesis is we're going to learn where everything came from so the Bible makes more sense. Matter of fact, we want to make disciples, right? <laughs> well, let me show you my Bible. See my Bible? You see where my finger is? That's where it says go and make disciples of all the nations. <laughs> A lot happens before that, doesn't it? And if we really want to understand what it means to make disciples, we need to know how it all started. And it's only when we understand how it started that we understand the story, and it's only when we understand the story that we understand how our story fits into the story. So, uh, Genesis. Uh, let, let's start with the, the name of the book. In, in, Hebrew, in Hebrew, the book... Um, is called Bereshith, which means in the beginning. Jewish, in the Hebrew Bible, they would name each book after the first few words of the book. And so they call Genesis Bereshith, which means in the beginning. Well, Greek, Genesis is Greek, and it means origin. So here's what we're going to learn this year. The book of Genesis is the book of origins. So we're going to learn where did the universe come from, the origin of the universe. We'll look at the origin of man. Where did man come from? The origin of life. Where did life come from? We're going to look at the origin of marriage. Any debate in our culture about marriage? We're actually going to read who originated marriage and why. 
You know what else? We're going to see the origin of evil. We're going to learn the origin of the gospel, the first time the gospel was preached. We're going to see the origin of language, the origin of nations. Now listen, we're going to look at the origin of government. Did you know we're having an election this year? Did you know that? Did you know that when we walk through Genesis together this year, we're going to see who originated government and why? Maybe we would be interested in that, right? So, that's the title. Uh, we're going to learn about all these origins. The author, who wrote this book? Uh, <clears throat> Jewish people have always believed that Moses wrote this book. Matter of fact, Jewish people call the first five books of the Bible the books of Moses or the Pentateuch or the law that Moses wrote, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, I, I believe that too, and the reason I believe that is because Jesus believed that. Look at this verse in John chapter 5. Jesus is speaking, and he says, for if you believed, what? Moses. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he, Moses, wrote about me. So Jesus affirms the authorship of Moses, doesn't he? But if you do not believe his writings, the writings of Moses, how will you believe my words? So Jesus affirmed Moses as the author of Genesis. And when was it written? When was Genesis written? About 1500 B.C. About 1500 B.C. And who was the audience? Who was it written for? Israel had come out of Egypt, and they were about to go into the Promised Land. And Moses wanted Israel to know that they were to be different from the people around us. So the book of Genesis, Moses teaches the people how to walk with God, how Adam walked with God, and how Enoch walked with God, and how Abraham walked with God, and how Isaac and Jacob and Joseph walked with God. And isn't that what Jesus invites us to do, doesn't he? Doesn't he invite us to walk with him on earth? Doesn't he say to us, follow me? Um, I love the first verse of the Bible. I believe it is the most important verse in all the Bible. And um, so, so let's jump back there and let's read. In the beginning, what? God. In the very first verse, we meet the main character of the Bible. The main character of the Bible is not you. It's not me. It's God. In the beginning, God. Aren't you glad it was not in the beginning nothing or in the beginning matter? No, no, in the beginning, God. In the first 34 verses of the Bible, God's name occurs 35 times. God, God, God. In the beginning, God. Now, only God is eternal. That's why it's in the beginning, God. Remember? Remember when God called Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt, remember? And, and Moses says, well, how can I do that if they ask me what's your name? I don't even know your name. And remember what he said? He said, what? I am who I am. You tell them, I am sent you. So in the beginning was the great I am, the eternal one. 
Everyone who's taught in kids' ministry, you know how it goes, right? You say, God made everything, and then the kids ask what? Who made God? And what's the answer? God just is. No one made God. Um, so in the beginning, God created. Created. You see the word created? The Hebrew word is bara. See at the bottom? That verb, the only subject in all the Bible, the only subject in all the Bible for that verb is God, because only God creates. Only God borrows. We fashion, we form, we rearrange, <laughs> but only God borrows. Only God creates out of nothing. God created. And what did God create? God created everything. Look at the first part of the verse. God created time. Where did time come from? In the beginning, God created time. Not only did God create time, he created space. In the beginning, God created the heavens. God made space. And the earth, God made matter. What is our universe made of? It's made of space and time and matter. God created it all. Oh, and listen to this. <clears throat> The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. God's work was not completed yet, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the deep, of the waters. Now, what it's saying is the Spirit was hovering, was vibrating. The Holy Spirit there on the day of creation, energizing all of creation, energizing what God had made. This is so good. And, and then... Many years later, many years later, right, the believers, the believers in Jerusalem are, they're, they're gathered together and they're waiting what? They're waiting for the Holy Spirit, right? God's new creation, right? And, and then what happened? On the day of Pentecost, what happened? The Spirit of God fell on his church and his new creation was energized to make disciples and that's why we're here today, right? Wow, the Holy Spirit that energized creation is the same Holy Spirit that energizes his church and us. So how did God do this? How did God create everything out of nothing? Then God said, God spoke. And everything came into being. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So God created everything, space, time, matter, uh, out of nothing by his word. <laughs> and then we come to the New Testament. Remember what we just read, how the Bible begins, was in the beginning God created. So then we come to the New Testament, and what do we read? In John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. How did God create, every, create everything? How he, he spoke. You see, Jesus is the Word. And I want you to understand that <clears throat> Christmas is not when God the Son came into being. God the Son was there in the beginning. God the Son was the Creator. Christmas is where God the Son put on flesh and dwelt among us. So in the beginning was the Word, God the Son, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God the Son is fully God like the Father and the Spirit. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Jesus is not only Savior, he's creator. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then we move over into the book of Colossians. And what do we read in verse 15? For he is the image of the invisible God. Do you want to know what God looks like? Open up your Bible. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you see Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you see the Father because he is the, in, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Wait a minute, wait a minute, what's this firstborn? It means the preeminent the preeminent one, we might say Melania Trump is the first lady. So Jesus is the firstborn. He's preeminent over all of creation. Listen to this. For by him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth. Jesus created everything, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. I want you to know he made you. He made you. You've been made through him. You've been made for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You ever look around our culture and say, it seems like everything's falling apart? Do you? You know why? Because if you take Jesus out of something, what happens? What happens? It all falls apart. But you know what the good news is? That if we center our lives on Jesus, what will he do? He will hold our whole lives together. And when we bring our friends and neighbors to Jesus and they meet Jesus, they'll be, he'll begin to put their lives together. And you know what? When he puts a lot of lives together, he puts a community back together again too, doesn't he? He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Um. He is also head of the body, the church. Uh, And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in what? In everything. Now, don't miss this. Jesus is creator and savior. He's head of creation and he's head of the church. So in a Christian's life, in a Christian's life, there's no dichotomy. There's no spiritual and secular because Jesus wants first place in everything. It doesn't matter whether we're studying geometry or Genesis. We're studying about Jesus because he's our creator and our savior. And he wants first place in our lives, in our school, in our recreation. He wants first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. You see, Jesus is God who became a man and through him to reconcile all things to himself. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, God made everything. Yes, that's chapter one of the story, right? God made everything and, and it was good, but But chapter 2 is called the fall. Our first parents sinned against God. And their sin wrecked all of creation. And we've all followed in their footsteps, right? We've all sinned in our thoughts, haven't we? Jealousy and envy, right? In in our thoughts and in our words. We've said unkind and hurtful things and in our deeds. We've stolen or 
uh, or committed adultery or not honored our parents. We've all sinned against God. We're separated from God. We're in big trouble. What we deserve is eternal death. But chapter 3, chapter 3 of the great stories called Redemption, that's what's speaking about here. Because we had sinned and we were in trouble, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. Who is Jesus Christ? He's fully God and fully man in one person. And what did He come to do? And through Him to reconcile what? Help me, what? Everything that sin had wrecked. So Jesus came to reconcile us to God, but also to reconcile all of creation. Everything that had been corrupted by sin, Jesus came to reconcile to God. That'll happen in chapter 4, right? But listen, <clears throat> to reconcile all things to himself. So God the Son puts on flesh to reconcile us, lives a perfect life, and then goes to the cross to die for our sins, and through him to reconcile all things uh, to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Something stood between us and God. It was our sins. So Jesus, standing between us and the Father, takes our sins upon himself, sheds his blood, which means he died in our place, paying in full the penalty of our sins, the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. So Christ died for our sins. He rose. And he offers us eternal life. He offers us forgiveness for our sins. He offers us the chance to start all over in life. <laughs> you ever wish you could just start over in life? I mean, you really messed up and said, man, I wish I could have a do-over. You can, you know. That's what Jesus offers us. Listen to this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. When we put our faith in Jesus, listen, he forgives us of all of our sins. And that old life that, that we ran our way, it's gone. And we have a new life, one of forgiveness, of doing life and eternity with Jesus, of letting Jesus run our lives and not us. <clears throat> so how can we be in Christ? It means we put our faith in Christ. We believe in Christ. And we love to say that that's as simple as A, B, C, where we admit we're sinners. And if you've never done that, uh, won't you start this year by saying, Jesus, you're right, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. A, admit, and then B, believe. Jesus, I believe that you are God who became a man who, who died on the cross for my sins and rose. Won't you believe? And then we commit to him as Savior. <laughs> Jesus, I'm going to trust in you and what you did for me for forgiveness and eternal life and not my goodness. Won't you trust Christ and not you? And it's to trust Christ as Lord, Jesus I'm tired of running my own life, so today I surrender. I want you to be Lord of my life, and from this day forward, I'll follow you when you lead me. Won't you do that? Won't you admit, believe, and commit? And if you have, did you hear what that says? You are a new creation of God. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come now. Now Jesus lives in you. Now you're doing life with him and for him. Now you're going to spend eternity with him and for him. Uh, Jesus is our creator and our savior. And, and back to Genesis chapter 1. And there was evening and there was morning one day. 
There was one turn of the earth on its axis. There was evening and there was morning one day. I love it when people say, well, Smiley, how do you interpret day? I mean, if I told you today is Sunday, would you ask me how to, what do I mean by day? Is the passage unclear? Is it? I mean, is the passage unclear? Are you guys awake? Is the passage unclear? And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. Until 150 years ago, every Christian believed that a day was a day. But with the teaching of evolution, many Christians have tried to combine creation and evolution to allow for more time. But listen, creation and evolution don't mix, and every time we try and mix them, creation loses. Come back next week. Next week's message is called Answers in Genesis. And we'll spend more time explaining that. But what I want you to get from today is the most important verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Come back for answers in Genesis, okay? But I want you to know the most important verse in the Bible. And that's the action step for this week. It's very simple. I want you to believe the first verse in the Bible is the most important verse in the Bible. I want you to believe that. Why not memorize it? You already know it, right? Come on, say it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. As you walk through the week and see the beauty of God's creation, remind yourselves, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And here's what will happen. Here's why it's so important. If we believe the first verse in the Bible, we will find that we believe everything else in the Bible. We do. I meet people, oh, I can't believe that, that Moses parted the Red Sea. I can't believe in the virgin birth. I can't believe that Jesus fed the multitude. You're stumbling in the wrong place. If you want to stumble, stumble over the first verse in the Bible. If God could speak... And everything came into being. Listen, parting the Red Sea is just not that big of a deal, is it? Or the virgin birth. Or, or feeding the multitude. Uh, so listen, when we believe the first verse, we'll find that we believe everything else. When we believe the first verse, the Bible will become very precious to us. Is the Bible precious to you? Oh, our oldest daughter, every time she would open up a new book when she was little, she would go. <laughs> Christians throughout history would have given everything to own a copy of the Word of God. Do we wake up each day and pick up the Bible and say, this smells like God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. We read good news. We're not alone in a purposeless universe. God made us. We're made by him and for him. Huh. Do we pick up the word to get to know our creator and our savior? Do we pick up his word so that we can answer the big questions in life? Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Could we say in our culture there's some battles 
maybe over marriage or sex or abortion? What if we believed that this is the Word of God? What if we just opened it up and said, God, teach us, teach us? That's what happens when we believe the first verse is the most important verse. You know what else happens? Our lives become filled with worship and wonder, with wonder and worship. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Man, are we so excited when Sunday comes? We get to come and sing to our creator and savior together. It's the best day of the week. We come to be reminded, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I'm not junk. I'm made by Jesus and for Jesus. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to his name. Bless, give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Our lives are filled with wonder. God made all this for his glory and our joy. We gather and then we scatter. Come on. We go to the beach and we see the beach. Doesn't that move us to worship? Look how big the ocean is. God, you made this. You're awesome. If you ask me, Smiley, what was, what was one of your most worshipful moments in last year? It would be going to the San Diego Zoo. Karen and I went with our son Nathan and Megan who live in San Diego. Uh, we saw birds tropical birds. Doesn't God show off sometimes, doesn't he? And we got to see the big cats. We got to see tigers and lions and leopards. And, and we got to see a giraffe. Now they're made, they're made to drink, but we got to, I mean, to, to eat out of a tree, but we got to see, a, have you ever seen a giraffe drink? They're not made for drinking. And so we see this thing, and he's, he's going like this, you know, and he's bending his head over. And we're laughing and praising God because we're filled with wonder. And the stupid signs say 200 million years ago, this person did, or this creature did that. No, no, no. God made this. But the best thing of all were the orangutans. I'm not kidding you. There's a mom. She's tired trying to get a nap. And she's got a little kid orangutan. And every time mom falls asleep, the thing comes up and whacks her. <laughs> and she whacks him. And we're just worshiping God in a zoo because it shows God's handiwork. What's the difference between a Christian and someone who's not? All of creation displays God's glory. And... Um, that's why when we believe the first verse in the Bible, listen, we believe everything else in the Bible. Uh, listen, the, um, the Bible is, uh, becomes precious to us. It, it fills us with wonder and worship, and it opens up gospel conversations, so many. Have you had a gospel conversation this year? <laughs> I went to visit my mom on January 1st. She'll be 95 in about a month, and... And this lady comes in to feed my mom, and when she reaches out, I notice on her wrist, it looks like F-H-I-L-413. And so I said, is that tattoo Philippians 413? And she said, yes. And I said, hmm. so is that, is that 
verse precious to you? And she said, yes, it really is. It's my favorite verse. And I said, well, how did Jesus move from being just a word to you to someone who's precious to you? And we just had the most amazing conversation. So listen, if we really want to be disciples, if we really want to know what we believe, we have to learn how to take what we believe and go and share it with other people because when we share it, that's when we'll really believe it. So this week when someone says, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Why don't you say, hey, I went to church and we studied the most important verse in the Bible. And then say, hey, what do you think is the most important verse in the Bible? You know what they'll probably say, right? Judge not lest you be judged. <laughs> or maybe love your neighbor. And you can say, those are really good verses, but that's not what we learned. And, and you say, well, Smiley, nobody's going to ask me. Okay, well, if nobody asks you, why don't you, when you're having lunch with someone this week or, or you're, you're after practice, why don't you just ask someone, uh, could I share with you what we learned in church on Sunday? And if they say yes, just say, we learn the most important verse in the Bible. And then just ask them, well, what do you think is the most important verse in the Bible? And then say, what we learn is the first verse in the Bible is the most important. Do you know what the first verse is? And then tell them, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then if they say, why is that the most important verse? Tell them this. Because we learned we're on this plane, the earth, and we're hurtling through space at breakneck speed. And what we learned is someone's flying the plane. Isn't that good news? And not only that, but I know him, and he knows me. Wouldn't you like to know him too? Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad that you came. You're our creator, and you're our savior. We had messed up all you had made, and yet you came for us so we could have a do-over in life and a do-over in eternity. Thank you. Listen, if you've never trusted in Jesus, won't you today, won't you just admit to him, Jesus, I've sinned against him, you, and I'm sorry? And won't you believe, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And, and won't you commit? Oh, Jesus, I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Won't you? And, and if you have, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Oh, Lord, it's your people. May your Holy Spirit fall fresh on us that we might believe the first verse of the Bible and then everything else that follows. Lord, may your Holy Spirit fall fresh on us that the Bible would become precious to us where we meet our Creator and Savior. This week as we go out, may we be filled with wonder and worship in the beauty of your creation. And as we go out this week, Holy Spirit, fall for us. May you open up opportunities for us to share with others what you have taught us today. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.